Shalom and welcome to Daily Bread for Busy Moms, a daily podcast from Israel where we read you the entire Bible in one year, based on the weekly Torah portions. I'm Harriet and I will be reading for you today, this Thursday, the 31st of March, or the 28th of Adar II on the Hebrew calendar. This week we are on a parasha called Tasriya, and that means she will conceive. And our scripture portions from the Torah is Leviticus or Vayikra, chapter 13, verse 29 through verse 39. Before we start reading the scriptures, please join me in blessing and thanking God for giving us his word. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who gives the Torah of truth and the good news of salvation to his people Israel and to all peoples through his Son, Yeshua the Mashiach, our Master. When a man or woman has a plague on the head or on the beard, then the Kohen shall examine the plague and behold, if its appearance is deeper than the skin, and the hair in it is yellow and thin, then the Kohen shall pronounce him unclean. It is an itch. It is tarat of the head or of the beard. If the Kohen examines the plague of itching, and behold, its appearance is not deeper than the skin, and there is no black hair in it, then the Kohen shall isolate the person infected with itching seven days. On the seventh day, the Kohen shall examine the plague, and behold, if the itch has not spread, and there is no yellow hair in it, and the appearance of the itch is not deeper than the skin, then he shall be say, shaved, but he shall not shave the itch. Then the Kohen shall isolate the one who has the itch seven more days. Then on the seventh day, the Kohen shall examine the itch, and behold, if the itch has not spread in the skin, and its appearance is not deeper than the skin, then the Kohen shall pronounce him clean, and he shall wash his clothes and be clean. But if the itch spreads in the skin after his cleansing, then the Kohen shall examine him, and behold, if the itch has spread in the skin, the Kohen shall not look for the yellow hair, he is unclean. If in his eyes the itch remains unchanged and black hair has grown in it, the itch is healed, he is clean. The Kohen shall pronounce him clean. When a man or a woman has bright spots in the skin of the body, even white bright spots, then the Kohen shall examine them. Behold, if the bright spots on the skin of their body are a dull white, it is a harmless rash. It has broken out in the skin. He is clean. That was Leviticus chapter 13, verses 29 through 39. Now, our portion from the prophets is today Isaiah or Yeshayahu chapter 27. In that day, the Lord with his fierce and great and strong sword will punish Leviathan, 
the fleeing serpent, and Leviathan the twisted serpent, and he will kill the dragon that is in the sea. In that day, sing to her a pleasant vineyard. I, the Lord, am its keeper. I will water it every moment. Lest anyone damage it, I will keep it day, night, and day. Wrath is not in me, but if I should find briars and thorns, I would do battle. I would march on them, I would burn them together. Or else let him take hold of my strength, that he may make peace with me. Let him make peace with me. In days to come, Yaakov will take root, Israel will blossom and bud, and they will find the surface of the world with fruit. Has he struck them as he struck those who struck them? Or are they killed like those who killed them were killed? In measure, when you send them away, you contend with them. He has removed them with his rough blast in the day of the east wind. Therefore, by this the iniquity of Yaakov will be forgiven. And this is all the fruit of taking away his sin, that he makes all the stones of the altar as chalk stones that are beaten in pieces, so that the Asherah poles and the incense altars shall rise no more. For the fortified city is solitary, a habitation deserted and forsaken, like the wilderness, the calf will feed there, and there he will lie down and consume its branches. When its bows are withered, they will be broken off. The woman will come and set them on fire. For they are a people of no understanding. Therefore he who made them will not have compassion on them, and he who formed them will show them no favor. And it will happen in that day that the Lord will thresh from the flowing stream of the Euphrates to the brook of Mitzrayim, and you will be gathered one by one, sons of Israel. It will happen in that day that a great shofar will be blown, and those who were ready to perish in the land of Assyria, and those who were outcasts in the land of Mitzrayim, shall come. And they will worship the Lord in the holy mountain at Jerusalem. That was Isaiah chapter 27. And now we have reached to our portion from the writings, which today will be Proverbs chapter 10. The Proverbs of Shlomo. A wise son makes a glad father, but a foolish son brings grief to his mother. Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivers from death. The Lord will not allow the soul of the righteous to go hungry, but he thrusts away the desire of the wicked. He becomes poor who works with a lazy hand, but the hand of the diligent brings wealth. He who gathers in summer is a wise son, but he who sleeps during the harvest is a son who causes shame. 
Blessings are on the head of the righteous, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. The memory of the righteous is blessed, but the name of the wicked will rot. The wise in heart accept commandments, but a chattering fool will fall. He who walks blamelessly walks surely, but he who perverts his ways will be found out. One winking with the eye causes sorrow, but a chattering fool will fall. The mouth of the righteous is a spring of life, but violence covers the mouth of the wicked. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all wrongs. Wisdom is found on the lips of him who has discernment, but a rod is for the back of him who is void of understanding. Wise men lay up knowledge, but the mouth of the foolish is near ruin. The rich man's wealth is his strong city, the destruction of the poor is their poverty. The labor of the righteous leads to life, the increase of the wicked leads to sin. He is in the way of life who heeds correction, but he who forsakes reproof leads others astray. He who hides hatred has lying lips, and he who utters a slander is a fool. In the multitude of words there is no lack of transgression, but he who restrains his lips does wisely. The tongue of the righteous is like choice silver. The heart of the wicked is of little worth. The lips of the righteous feed many, but the foolish die for lack of understanding. The blessing of the Lord makes rich, and he adds no sorrow with it. It is a fool's pleasure to do wickedness, but wisdom is a man of understanding's pleasure. What the wicked fear will overtake them, but the desire of the righteous will be granted. When the whirlwind passes, the wicked is no more, but the righteous stand firm forever. As vinegar to the teeth and as smoke to the eyes, so is the sluggard to those who send him. The fear of the Lord prolongs days but the years of the wicked shall be shortened. The hope of the righteous is joy, but the hope of the wicked will perish. The way of the Lord is a stronghold to the upright, but it is a destruction to the workers of iniquity. The righteous will never be removed, but the wicked will not dwell in the land. The mouth of the righteous produces wisdom, but the perverse tongue will be cut off. The lips of the righteous know what is acceptable, but the mouth of the wicked is perverse. That was Proverbs or Mishlei chapter 10. Now we have our final portion of reading of scriptures for today, and it will be from our apostolic scriptures, Acts chapter 27. Now when it was determined that we should sail for Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners to a centurion named Julius, 
of the Augustan band. So, embarking in a ship of Adramitium, which was about to sail to places on the coast of Asia, we put to sea, Aristarchus, a Macedonian of Thessalonica, being with us. And the next day we touched at Sidon, and Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him permission to go to his friends and refresh himself. And putting the sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus, because the winds were contrary. And when we had sailed across the sea, which is off Cilicia and Pamphylia, we came to Myra, a city of Lycia. And there the centurion found a ship of Alexandria, sailing for Italy, and he put us on board. When we had sailed slowly many days and had come with difficulty opposite Cnidus, the wind not allowing us farther, we sailed under the lee of Crete, opposite Salmoni. With difficulty sailing along it, we came to a certain place called Fair Havens, near the city of Lycia. Now, when much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous because the fast had now already gone by, Paul admonished them and said to them, Sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. But the centurion gave more heed to the master and to the owner of the ship than to those things which were spoken by Paul. And because the haven was not suitable to winter in, the majority advised going to sea from there, if by any means they could reach Phoenix and winter there, which is a port of Crete, looking southwest and northwest. And when the south wind blew softly, supposing that they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along Crete, close to the shore. But before long, a stormy wind beat down from the shore, which is called Eurocladon. And when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. And running under the lee of a small island called Clauda, we were able with difficulty to secure the boat. After they had hoisted it up, they used cables to help reinforce the ship. Fearing that they would run aground on the Syrtis sandbars, they lowered the sea anchor and so were driven along. And because we were violently storm-tossed, the next day they began to throw things overboard. On the third day they threw out the ship's tackle with their own hands. And when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days, and no small storms pressed on us, all hope that we would be saved was now taken away. Now, when they had been long without food, Paul stood up in the middle of them and said, Sirs, you should have listened to me, and not have set sail from Crete, and have gotten this injury and loss. And now I exhort you to cheer up, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. For there stood by me this night an angel, belonging to the God whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand before Caesar, 
and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Therefore take heart, men, for I believe God that it will be just as it has been spoken to me. But we must run aground on a certain island. Now when the fourteenth night had come, as we were driven back and forth in the Adriatic Sea, about midnight the sailors surmised that they were drawing near to some land, and they took soundings and found twenty fathoms. After a little while they took soundings again and found fifteen fathoms, and fearing that we would run aground on rocky ground, they let go four anchors from the stern and wished for daylight. As the sailors were trying to flee out of the ship and had lowered the boat into the sea, pretending that they would lay out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and to the soldiers, Unless these stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Then the soldiers cut away the ropes of the boat and let it fall off. And while the day was coming on, Paul begged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the fourteenth day that you wait and continue fasting, having taken nothing. Therefore I beg you to take some food, for this is for your safety, for not a hair will perish from any of your heads. And when he had said this and had taken bread, he gave thanks to God in the presence of all, then he broke it and began to eat. And then they all cheered up, and they also took food. And in all, we were 276 souls on the ship. So when they had eaten enough, they began to lighten the ship by throwing out the wheat into the sea. Now when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a certain bay with a beach, and they decided to try to drive the ship onto it. And casting off the anchors, they left them in the sea, at the same time untying the rudder ropes. Hoisting up the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But coming to a place where two seas meet, they ran the vessel aground. The bow struck and remained immovable, but the stern began to break up by the violence of the waves. And the soldiers' counsel was to kill the prisoners, so that none of them would swim out and escape. But the centurion, desiring to save Paul, stopped them for their purpose, and commanded that those who could swim should throw themselves overboard first to go toward the land, and the rest should follow, some on planks and some on other things from the ship. So they all escaped safely to the land. That was Acts chapter 27. If you are reading through the Apostolic Scriptures twice this cycle, you will also read Revelations chapter 21 today. This is Harriet with Daily Bread for Busy Moms. Shalom from Israel. Until next time.